With Candy Crush Saga, the crush is real. For the first time ever, we're celebrating real crushers and their stories inside the game. Find out why they love playing, complete levels inspired by them, and win rewards they chose for you. For a limited time only, see why the crush is very real with Candy Crush Saga. Download now from the App Store or Google Play for free. Ends May 27th. Available to selected players level 25 and over. Welcome everyone, this is episode 23 of the Comics in Motion podcast. I am, what is my name? Yeah, I am Chris Phelps. <laughs> I know this after all this time. And my co-host, who does know his name, is Mr. Dave Horrocks. Hi guys. Welcome to the Comics in Motion podcast. What we like to do here is we like to review media like movies, TV shows and games that are based on comic books. Myself, I'll be looking at the media from the perspective of a long-time comic book fan. And my co-host Chris there will be reviewing mainly from that media perspective and we'll walk through our given topic of the week and we'll give our different perspectives on it. What we also like to do is we also like to spoil things. So if you haven't watched what we're going to talk about this week, I suggest you hit that pause button and then come back to us when you've watched it. So Chris, this is a first for us. Yep. So we decided to throw our body on the mercy of our Twitter followers and ask them to, to vote as a movie. And um, we, we picked a theme, and we talked about it on the last week's show, I think, didn't we? So yeah. we talked about having a theme of like 80s action heroes. But some of the wording was possibly a bit confusing, wasn't it? <laughs> so yeah. I think... The, we were called out quite a few times, I think, because the wording actually said 80s action movies, I think. Yeah, that, that may be the person who's the director of social media. I can't possibly <laughs> comment on that. But um, it was one way of getting a bit of interaction on Twitter, Dave, you know, because people straight away were like, yeah, I vote for Dread or I vote for Conan. Uh, by the way, lads, you do know it's not from the, from the 90s, two-year films. It's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, you could be right, guys. Yeah, yeah. So I think Time Cop and uh, and Dread are are in the nineties, aren't they? And you know, and I was thinking about it. It's it's like, well, could you argue that Stallone's a nineties action hero? <sighs> Maybe, but to us, I, I feel okay. For me, I think of eighties. You know, when those guys really were in their heyday. And so, um, but it was it was quite it's, it's sad, really. But. I was getting quite excited by it all because <laughs> we had it running on Twitter and then we had it on Facebook as well. So we did have to do some manual adding up. You know, we weren't talking about millions of numbers, fortunately, but, you know, we did have a few numbers in there. And I was kind of rooting for Conan, if I'm honest. Uh, I wasn't. <laughs> I, I know you weren't, and, and that just made me want it to win even more. And I think right at the death, Judge Dredd just got in there with yeah. with one or two votes it was a really small percentage i, I can't remember on twitter it's something like 33 percent 32 percent or something like that but 
Judge Dredd just stolen right at the end. Yeah, and I was quite, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm sure we'll review Conan at some point. And as a, as a massive Arnie fan, it's sacrilege that I've never actually seen it, Dave. So you, you were right. You We had talked privately and you'd said that, like, I can't believe your love for Arnie and you've never seen it. But as I said last time, it's more the mythical side of things and that, that the fantasy stuff like that. It takes a really good film to pull me in. And I just... I just didn't fancy it. I might like it when I watch it and go, you know what? I was actually wrong. I enjoyed it. But uh, I suppose that's the whole point of reviewing it. But with Stallone, you know what you're getting on the tin with someone like this. It's his bread and butter stuff. And I've seen it before years ago. So I thought, oh, no, I'll have some of that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you weren't setting up extra Twitter accounts and, and putting in plenty of votes that way then? <laughs> no, I, I have actually got a few <laughs> a few accounts, but I didn't actually, uh, I didn't actually need to, luckily, because... At the first, Conan was just like straight out the stalls, wasn't it? It was like 100 yards in front of everyone. And then all of a sudden, it just started tipping back. And then I think one of the days last week, it just woke up and it was close. I was like, oh, I like this. And then you were right because you messaged me saying, I'm really getting into this. I really like what the yeah. Yeah, yeah. are. So we've got, to, we've got to thank everyone who voted because I think we must have had about 150 votes on the polls, mustn't we, across Facebook and Twitter. So I'm quite pleased with that, which is really good. So just, you know, we're going to do it again. It won't be as close where we do it every week or anything, but it's going to, we're going to try and do quite regular so you guys can actually decide what you want us to review. Yeah, yeah. I, it was good fun, wasn't it? So so let's definitely do that again. I think probably we, we probably don't need the polls to be five days, do we? No. <laughs> you know, so let's, <laughs> let's make them a bit shorter next time. Um, not just because Arnie would have won if it was a one-day poll, but it's yeah. just it leaves us a bit less time to actually watch the movie and, and uh, read up on on any research or anything. So, but that's great. So, if if you're listening and you're not on our Twitter, then you can follow us at Comics in Motion P. You can also get us on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Comics in Motion Podcast. And if you'd like and give us a follow there. And if you actually like the show, if you could drop a five-star review onto iTunes and let us let us know through that medium as well, that would be fantastic. That one in particular helps boost us up the rankings and it helps us to get out there to more listeners as well. So, Chris, we've decided, well, we didn't decide at all. Our followers have decided we're going to review the 1995 Judge Dredd movie. Of course, of course. And like I said before, Stallone, you know what you get on the, t- you know, on the tin. And I was quite interested to see how this had aged because I remember at the time what reviews were and, and what I thought of it. So I wanted to see whether I was wrong or right in what I originally thought, which obviously we'll get into. But yeah, good choice, Dave. Very good choice. Okay, should we go into some comics background? Yep. Okay, now this one is a little bit strange and a little bit convoluted. So Judge Dredd was created by writer John Wagner and artist Carlos Esquera. But usually when we talk about writers and artists or creators and writers and artists, they're the the people who created them and then published that first issue, whereas these guys didn't. Now, Judge Dredd appears in 2000 AD, which is a British magazine, essentially. It's, it's like an anthology comic. So it's not, it's not like your Spider-Man, where it, that comic is all about Spider-Man. These have lots of different stories inside them. And it came out in, in 1977. 
But obviously, leading up to that, all of the groundwork was being put in in 1976. And it was in 76 when Wagner and Esquera were collaborating on this on this story, this character, and how he'd look. Now, Wagner actually sent through to Esquera a picture of the Death Race 2000 Frankenstein character played by David Carradine. Now, do you ever see that? No. I, I'm, Not- yeah, Stallone's in... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And Jason Statham, there was a remake, wasn't there? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So um, I I remember it from years and years ago, but I thought it was interesting. So he provided some of the input into how Judge Dredd would look. And basically, Esquera took that and just added loads of armor, lots of zips and chains and stuff. So he really designed what we think of as, as Judge Dredd now. The original intent for the character was to be or the whole environment was to be set in the near future. But the way Esquera had drawn it, all the cityscapes, all the hardware and everything, it it looked more futuristic. So they had to kind of scramble and and they sort of rewrote and, and basically made it further off into the future. Now, the original script that Wagner put together was pretty much rewritten by editor Pat Mills and they submitted it to the board of directors and they rejected it for being too violent. <laughs> yeah. So before that first issue of 2000 AD came out, Wagner basically left the company um, and the editor was trying to find other writers who could write a dread story. So all of this, it didn't happen in time for that issue one. And so that's why, you know, Judge Dredd makes his first appearance actually in issue two of 2000 AD and, and is now their longest running character and probably probably the best known as well. But in the end, they, they did settle on, on a writer. They got in uh, a chap called Peter Harris to write that first story. And there was an artist, Mike McMahon, who basically drew out that first, uh, that first issue. Now, Judge Dredd is very similar to the to the movie. Uh, we'll get into tone differences, um, but essentially he is a street judge. He's operating in Mega City One, which is set off in this dystopian future. And it, as the name suggests, it's a huge city, and it basically covers pretty much the whole of the east coast of North America. So it goes right up to, to Canada and right down to Florida. That's, that's one big city. In this, in this future state. And it's basically a fascist state. And all these judges have the power to arrest, convict, sentence, and execute. And it's, it's a really, the reason he's stood the test of time, it is a really interesting thought about what, what would happen if you gave people all of this power and where does that end up? I've mentioned before on previous podcasts that he he's one of those characters that ages in real time. So he's actually in his 70s, or roughly his 70s now, uh, and he had been dealing with cancer going back to 2008. And so they, they've been coming up to this problem that, well, we, we still kind of want to keep the character around. And unlike, you know, Spider-Man's used as an example where he's always just at university, um, they wanted to try and write their way out of it. So in 2016, he was ordered to take some rejuvenation treatment. And so that's, that's I think, a way that they'll probably keep going back to that well um, or come up with some different ideas on how, how can we keep time moving forward in real time 
but we still want to keep this Judge Dredd character around. So we've got some more Judge Dredd movies. So I'll talk a little bit about, or a bit more about this universe when we get to it. In terms of recommended reading, there's a lot. <laughs> you know, he's been around since the, the late 70s there. I would recommend it. You can get the collected uh, stories. So they're called Judge Dredd Complete Case Files. I would get, you know, number one of those and start off there. Chris, do you want to tell us a little bit about the movie? Yeah, there's something that you just said, actually, Dave, in the comics information there, which is really good, is that regarding it being rewritten and it being too graphic. Now, the whole parallel of this film, and obviously we will get into the review and what we actually think of it and break it down, but basically the the whole film, obviously it's starring Sylvester Stallone and it's directed by a guy called Danny Cannon, which... Other than a film called The Young Americans in 93, this was his first big major budget film, uh, Judge Dredd. So he's like, this was his baby. Now, the whole premise of production, directing, everything, it was a power struggle between him and Sylvester Stallone. Uh, Now, Cannon's idea of the film was very much the way the comics were and also probably more on the graphic side that was actually originally cut for being too violent. And basically Stallone's idea of the film was he wanted it to be more of a sort of violent comedy, but also a bit of a parody of the character, you know, from the comics. So when the film was actually cut, directed everything, it had to be recut five times because Stallone kept using his artistic uh, license in his contract because he wanted it going down to uh, a 13 Canon didn't. Canon wanted it down to a 17 and R rating, and they had to cut stuff anyway to get it to a 17, which is an R, because of how violent it was. It was horrendously violent stuff, like some of the killings in the films. It was all about that that robotic guy with the steel head, uh, Rico, I think. Um, not Rico. When Rico kills one of the guys, he actually dismembers him and stuff and all that, and his, lo- and his family and all that. So there's a lot of stuff that got changed. And Now, Danny Cannon's no... Slouch, obviously this was his big break, but he did stuff like, you know, I know what you did last summer, but his main thing's been TV work where he's produced and directed CSI range with Jerry Bruckheimer, the whole CSI family of stuff, mm-hmm. Miami, New York. And then for the last four years, he's been the executive producer on Gotham. So obviously I know we're going back 23 years when this come out, but, you know, he's got pedigree, but he, he said at the end of this film, he said he would never work with another major actor again because Stallone absolutely butchered the cut um, and, and said, like, that his creative changes, and they were demanded by Stallone, he, he just thought and lost the film. He said it absolutely ruined the sort of dark, um, satirical vision he had of it, and, and it, just everything went basically to pot. And, and he also said these loads of sequences that would have made the film a lot better and filled out were actually cut. He said there's a couple of still pictures of some of the action and killings that were used in the actual PR and, and marketing for the film, but they never actually made it to the theatre. So it's absolute joke. But on the flip side, just to even it out so I'm not being all one-sided, Stallone was quoted. I'm going to read this out because I think this is brilliant, Dave, absolutely brilliant. It's Stallone was quoted in 2008 talking about Dread because they were looking at rebooting it, which he come out in 2012, the reboot. And this is what he says. He says, from what I recall, the whole project was troubled from the beginning. The philosophy of the film was not set in stone. And by that, I mean, is this going to be a serious drama or with comic overtones like other science fiction films that were successful? So a lot of pieces just didn't fit smoothly. It was sort of like a feathered fish. 
I don't know what that is. Some of the design work on it, on it was fantastic, and the sets were incredibly real, even standing two feet away. But there was no communication. I knew we were in for a long shoot when, for no explainable reason, Danny Cannon, who's rather diminutive, jumped down from his director's chair and yelled to everyone with an earshot, fear me, everyone should fear me. And jumped back, <laughs> jumped up to his chair as if nothing happened. The British crew were taking bets on his life expectancy after that because he just thought he was an absolute... And that's from Stallone. He said he thought he was an absolute nut job. Um, and... <laughs> but then also you mentioned John Wagner. John Wagner was interviewed in 2012 when they did the, the reboot and said about the Stallone films. And he said the story had nothing to do with Judge Dredd. And Judge Dredd wasn't really Judge Dredd, even though Stallone was perfect for the part. He did he, he did praise the production value and the budget of the film. Um, but he's just said they totally told the wrong story because he tried too much to be mm. something it wasn't. So that's fair enough. But I had to match that off so it's not all slating Stallone. And I can't do that to Rocky anyway. So he seems like <laughs> a nice guy, Stallone. Well, he does these days. Anyway, uh, due to the recuts, obviously, upon release, it was absolutely terrible flop in the US it did 34.7 million on its whole run which is awful and internationally it did better it did like 78.8 million so it, it made 113 million but the budget was 90 so it, so it literally made nothing um reception wise on rotten tomatoes it's at 18% so it's got an average user rate of 3.7 yeah exactly and a lot of people said it's probably Stallone's worst ever film um, and I know he's done some turkeys in that, but I'm not sure if it is because I've seen worse. You know, stop on a mammal shoot springs to mind, so I can't really say. Um, We're I diving can't... deep into the, yeah. into the bottom of the bucket there, aren't yeah. we? I've got a rescue. I've got a picture of Rocky on my wall with his big "The World Ain't All Sunshines and Rainbows" right in front of me, Dave. I can't have that with Stallone. Um, I mean, to, to put it worse than what was it over the top? Oh, whoa, 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 no. whoa. don't slag Lincoln Orkoff, Dave. I love that film. You really? cannot. Oh, I love over a the film top. about arm wrestling. <laughs> Dave, Dave, I'm sorry. If there was a door, I'd be pointing at you now saying, get out. I'm actually doing this time with my fingers. Do not slag Lincoln Hawk off. He's, uh, as soon as he turned that cap round, he got superpowers. The only thing about that film was his annoying son. He was annoying that kid who played his son. But yeah, so he went that. But one little tidbit before I get into a couple of things. The guy in the film, Judge Griffin, which is the German guy, uh, Jürgen Prock now, He's in like Beverly Hills Cop 2. He's the main baddie because that's one of my favourite films um, in that. But he's a bit of a trivia for you. He dubbed Sylvester Stallone's voice in the German versions of Rocky 1 and 2. Oh, right. So, a, bit of, a bit of a segue. I don't know how I found that, Dave, but a bit of a segue on that one. I went deep deep undercover, as Axel Foley would say, just to keep the Beverly Hills Cop um, thingy going. Um, but, yeah, that's it, really. It it's very much, again, as we keep saying, it's going to be a bit of a, a thing. It's a Marmite film with people. A lot of people didn't get it. A lot got what Stallone was trying to do. But I think it's just the reviews are what it is. It's somewhere in the middle, if not middle, to sort of lower part the general consensus. So, yeah, interesting, Dave. Interesting. Yeah, and I guess it's it's one of those, isn't it? Because... Stallone's a good director in his own right, isn't he? Yeah, he is. But if you're hiring him purely to be the actor, I, I can imagine how that's that's going to be pretty disruptive. And especially when you've got someone who doesn't have that backlog of, of great hits that you can look at. 
yes. you, know, you mentioned Cannon. Uh, you know, he hadn't he hadn't done that much to start off with. So, what what was the quote about Stallone saying it wasn't it wasn't set in stone? You know what it was going to be. I suspect it was. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, he just uh, he didn't like that that version of it, so decided to throw it in there, and it, it's ended up being a, a, a fairly generic kind of action movie, hasn't it? Whereas, you know, the source material is, it's, it hits home on some pretty hard issues, I think. Yeah, yeah. And you know, they, they in the movie they touch on them, but then they just they just skip skip on past them. Yeah, they do. And, and, uh, and obviously we're going to get into that, but I agree. I think the film doesn't know what it wants and everything that we've you'd said, but even even down to the comics, Dave, as much as the comics is success, it seems to have this thing because it's, ultra, it's either ultra-violent or ultra-parody, sort of and it's nowhere in between, is it? So uh, it's, a, it's a shame, really, because I think I'd love to have seen the actual proper ultra-violent version, yeah. you know, like yeah, a bit yeah. of a Total Recall type version where it's absolutely you know the cgi might not hold up or whatever but the actual process of what they're going through and trying to go for in the film may have actually stood it better yeah and i'm not going to say much more because i i'll say that at the end but that point about trying to cram so much into the movie it did kind of race on by a bit or you know they're just trying to throw all this stuff against the wall I, i was thinking as i was watching it the only way you could do this justice, I think, is if you had a Netflix series. Yes, yes, like The Punisher. Yeah, or, yeah. or you know, any of the streaming where, where they're telling the stories over a much longer over a much longer time. So, yeah, that that did occur to me actually. That, that I think that's the only way you could do it. Yeah, I, I think so as well, and, and I think you know, as as we review it, it, there's a lot of stuff in the film. And, and there's a lot of good actors in it, which you, you don't realise what it is. It was a big budget film at the time, ninety million yeah, for a film yeah. in the mid the mid nineties. And, and I must admit, there's no expense spared, Dave, on the CGI in that. What an opportunity! Well, I, don't, I think these are all practical effects, aren't they? There's no there's no computers involved yeah. in 1995. No. So, um, yeah, I, I I think it looks. You know, you, you still have to think of the context of the time don't you so it's yeah. just no you know the robot in there it's, it's no hulk buster is it but for no. the time it, it it does i think it does i think it stands up pretty well yeah i agree i do i really do so we uh can i get into it then dave yeah let's go for it The first thing I'll mention is again I was I was rooting for Conan. I watched that movie so many times when I was a kid and I absolutely loved it. But there are some woeful effects in there and, and I always remember James Earl Jones in particular. Um there's a scene with him which I won't spoil. When we review it, we'll we will review it at some point in the future. Uh but I was quite looking forward to that. So I was a bit gutted. I was like, Oh, I get no James Earl Jones this week. And then puts the movie on. Oh, James Earl Jones. Yes. <laughs> he's, he's telling us about this world and, you know, he's introducing us and telling us about the cursed earth and you've got this mega city with population of tens of millions of people and, you know, you have these judges who effectively are the police officer, the, the judge, the jury, dot, 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 and executioner. So 
I, I, that was a bit of a surprise. I, I had no idea at the time that uh, they'd rolled out Darth Vader to to give us an introduction to the to the world there. So that that was a nice surprise. I laughed because we'd had this discussion about James Earl Jones, and as soon as it started, I was thinking. I turned it up then. I was like, oh, hang on a minute, because I was writing my notes up, you know, as we watched the film, we do the point notes and stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, let me go that. Let me go again. So I, I did think one that was a one all that day because I know you're a bit gutted. So, but <laughs> but again, the, the film stars, and yeah, it's mid nineties. But one thing I would say, Dave, about the whole film, you get this scene where. Um, we get introduced then, don't we, to a group of guys. One of them sort mm-hmm. of, um, in, in a, like a, a transporter thing, and it's actually Rob Schneider, isn't it? Juice Bigelow, yeah, yeah, which is quite interesting because I, I've Juice Bigelow come out about ninety nine, so he's obviously at this point he was a bit of a bit actor, one in certain films. So I think this was a bit of a break for him. I um, think he he peaked somewhere in the the mid nineties to the late nineties, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, definitely having Rob Schneider in your in your film, it definitely places you in and around that time. Yeah, and he, and, and that's the the thing as well is the character he plays is so uh, comedy driven. Even when he's trying to be serious, it's just comedy. I think that's what maybe Stallone was getting at because you, you're casting someone like that, you can't really go full on. Um, you know, Terminator, Terminator 2, can you? Because you, you, he's playing the comedy part sort of thing and you get that feel straight from the start. Yeah. Rob, you know, Rob's character, his character then ends up with a key done into a room and he, he goes in He goes in the room and then the guy opens the door and we're, we're met by a load of goons, aren't we? You know, baddies, whatever you want to call them. And one of them is the same baddie out of 48 Hours who's always a baddie in pretty much everything around the late 80s, early 90s. And I, I'm sort of thinking, is he the foil then for the film? Because I couldn't remember it, you know, because I've not seen it for a while. And obviously, mm-hmm. they hold him up, don't they, and that, and, and get hold of him. And, and what I can't understand with that, though, Dave, is they start saying to him, like, hold the bullets, read it, read it. And it's like, well, what? This guy doesn't even know you. You know what? <laughs> they they yeah. sort of grabbed him, put a gun to his head. And then the next minute, they're sort of saying, do you want to, you know, you, you want to be part of the team sort of thing? It was a bit... A bit strange, wasn't it? I mean... Uh... The, the guy you're saying about the 48 hours, you mean, so I recognised him as like Dexter's dad. Yes, it is Dexter's dad, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So again, he, he just he just looks a bit, he looks a bit too well washed to play yeah. the character that, that he's trying to play, doesn't he? But um, yeah, you just get this impression. It's, it's, a, it's a bit of a dog-eat-dog environment. You've got this riot going on. We get introduced to Joseph Dredd as as one of the street the street judges, and he's flanked by Judge Hershey, played by Diane Lane. Yeah. And you know, like you say, Rob Schneider, Fergie, he ends up basically in with this group, but um, you know, he, he do, he's not really part of them. But then, of course, when Dredd and Co show up. You know he's he's trying to trying to arrest everyone, and but they're they're making a, a real stand of it, you know. So they you end up in a shootout there. Yeah, and they start shooting at Dred's feet, but for some reason he seems to think mathematically he won't get shot, and he just seems to walk through all the bullets. Now, surely, and we <laughs> surely, I, I, you know, he's telling the other two, the other two judges are hit, aren't they? And one of them, yeah. Dave, the, the, the lad, he reminded me of Pierce of Nick Fury. The English oh, guy, right. not, not because of the accent or anything, but because of the bumbling. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you know, because Stallone's playing the chiselled nut job, and he like absolute stiff, robotic almost. He's yeah. like a robot. 
Because this is where, at the start of it, if you'd seen the first five minutes of the film, you would literally say, what the hell am I watching? Because Salome plays it so robotic, even down to the way he's walking and turning. It was almost like watching RoboCop. It was, yeah. I, I was thinking RoboCop as well. Yeah, it's like the shoulder pads come up. And obviously, Stallone's a fit guy. He's, he's not an Arnie or, a, you know, but he, he's not, he's only got a small frame. He's got, always got a great body on him, but he's like studying in real shoulders wide and like the old two carpets under each arm job, like he's, you know, because <laughs> he goes to the gym. And it, that was really, I thought that was, as much as I love Slice and I love him to bits in Rocky and stuff. I was like, oh, no, this is awful. I genuinely thought this terrible acting. Yeah, yeah. But he, we finish off this shootout, don't we? So he ends up killing everyone, except Rob Schneider had made a getaway. And actually, so I mentioned Judge Hershey there, Diane Lane. So you, you know who that is? No. It's Martha, isn't it? <laughs> but which Martha, Martha Dave? Which Martha? <laughs> so she plays Superman's mom in uh, in Batman v Superman, and and I can't actually remember Man of Steel that well. I, I think if if only I had a thing like an internet that I could yeah. quickly look up. So <laughs> let me. It's the same woman. It's the same woman. Is it? Is it? Still- yeah, I, love, I love Man of Steel. Yeah, it's the same woman. She's in. She's in all three of them. Of the films, the, the, the latest sort of uh, Justice League and stuff like that. Batman, Superman, and Man of Steel. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same yep. character. Just checked it now. Yep. Yeah, absolutely right. So, so yeah, this is a this is a young Diane Lane, and I have to say, she's a she's a good looking lady. Mm, I didn't realise it was her Dave as well until you said it. We were talking this morning, and totally caught me off guard. That. Yeah, yeah. So they end up. You know, we get, like you say, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone's acting like Robocop, basically. And you can see there's a Judge Hershey. She's trying to, like, get inside his head a bit and, you know, see what he does outside of work, essentially. And then he st- he starts holding up this, what is it, like, uh, this robot, this trash dispenser or food dispenser, is it, or something? Yeah, yeah. And so you think, what? what is going on here? And then you open it up and then you get, uh, you get Rob Schneider with, you know, food all over him, you know, and, and he'd been trying to make an escape. So, so yeah, Judge Dredd, he, he, uh, he's not hearing any of it. He's completely uncompromising, isn't he? So, you know, he arrests him, even though the only thing he could have done was to jump off the rooftop and kill himself, which would have been the legal option. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he, he, again, he's the judge and jury. So he just, uh, he just sentences him to, is it five? It's five years. Five years, isn't yeah, five yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we get like a round table effect where all the senior sort of judges probably have moved up the ranks to talking and they're arguing over the fact that they need to change the way the you know the judge program works. And at the moment they're only hitting six percent of the targets in response to like calls and violence and, and sort of convictions. And this is one of the this moment as well, Dave, after they've had this discussion, we pan to sort of, as you'd said, and I didn't realise, Ming the Merciful. Um Merciful. Who, He's in a parallel universe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'll just say Merciful's like skipping around, giving out flowers and stuff. (laughs) Well, well, no, I don't. I've never seen that film, so I, I I know him as Max von Sydow. So uh, from you've never seen Flash Gordon? No, never, never. Dave, this is where you got to educate me. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, again, watching it out of the time will be an interesting experience for you. (laughs) 
um, all I know is Freddie Mercury and Queen sang the uh, the theme song. That's about it. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, he's he's Ming the Merciless, so he's right. he's, he's he's on the other side of of uh, the flower power option. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, again, another another kind of well known, well renowned actor there. Yeah, because that scene, though, Dave, was what absolutely turned people off, though, because in the comics, Judge Dredd never takes his helmet off, and Stallone yeah, wanted him yeah. to take his helmet off pretty that's much right. yeah, in the first yeah. 10 minutes, and that's one of the reasons where people were saying he doesn't get what the comic's about, what the character's about, and irrespective of what we've just seen for 10 minutes, which Stallone's quite hammy here because he's playing the absolute robotic cop, this bit here just turned a lot of the fans off. They were just like, no... We, we can't abide by it. And I think, to be fair, this first 10, 15 minutes are rather sticky in this film, but I think it starts getting a little bit better in parts. When, when Stallone starts just being Stallone and not being Judge Shred, once he takes the hat off, it's, the mask off, it seems to change, or the helmet, sorry. Yeah, and, and you you still have that even now, don't you? You know, in like the Spider-Man movies and stuff, he, he take, whoever's playing Spider-Man, they're, they're forever taking their mask off. You know, yeah. so you can see who the actor is, and and again, I just think Stallone, the actor, you know, the size of him. If you're gonna pay for him to be in your movie, you you want people to see him, really. So yeah. so I can kind of get it, but I can also see, you know, people who love the the source material saying, well, well, we've never seen him. Even now, we don't know what he looks like. But you know, straight away, early on in the movie, right, take this inconvenient helmet off. Yeah. But yeah, we we start to see old, you know, Judge Dreddy's got a quite a good rapport, hasn't he, with with Ming the Merciless? Yeah, yeah, and I think as well, Dave. What what's interesting is it very much like you said. It's like the situation with Kylo Ren in, in the latest Star Wars trilogy. He's not a character that is synonymous with anything to do with the backstory, and that he's someone they've created for this new trilogy. But the fact that he took the mask off pretty early in the film. He's quite a damning with the fans because obviously <laughs> in the latest film he doesn't in the the Last Jedi he doesn't wear it at all. Yeah, because, yeah because that's it, right. It, you know, so it's it's it cheapens the fact that there's no momentum. Like the Darth Vader situation for three films, you were like, we want to know what he looks like. We had a, we alluded to, didn't you, in the Empire where he's in that chamber and then someone comes in, don't they? One of the sort of colonels or the generals mm-hmm. and they're trying to get a look at his face, aren't they? And he puts the mask on pretty quick. Yeah, and then comes yeah. Out, but you don't see that until he is defeated by Luke Skywalker. So I, I do get that, and I, I understand that's why you get this sort of uh, battle. But sometimes people just moan for moaning's sake. Like you said, if you paint Stallone in there, you're not just going to show his arms or anything, either, or his chin. You're going to have to show Stallone at some point yeah. because that's the whole. And it's also probably an ego thing because in Stallone's head, he's probably thinking, "Well, forever and a day, everyone's going to think Judge Dredd looks like me." irrespective if they never reveal his face again in the comic. Yeah, yeah. Very clever, very clever. We've been on one tangent, but let's let's just shoot off for another for a second. So the thing that I find interesting about Judge Dredd is you can write him quite easily as a hero, as an anti-hero, or a villain. Yeah. Because if if you think about this, all the these various judges, these senior judges all getting together, it's it's a bit like that uh that bit of dialogue you know where where Vader chokes uh, one of the chaps early on in A New Hope. Yeah, and, and they're all discussing, you know, about creating the Death Star and stuff. So you've basically got a bunch of people in power. This is a fascist state. This is what it is. 
And Judge Dredd works for this fascist state and worships without compromise the law. So you write a law, doesn't matter how just it really is, he's going to follow it. Yeah. So that, that's one of the things I find interesting about the character. It's quite interesting. You're right, actually. And obviously, it's a world without compromise, isn't it? You're totally right. So I don't think necessarily they, they nail that feel to, to the, the world that they're, they're in, if that makes no. sense. And, and when we were talking in our introduction to this, and we were saying that, you know, there are some real hard issues that this skates over. For me, that, that's one of them. Yeah. But but essentially you've got these judges that they're, they're not in control are they you know they they they're losing the battle against chaos and so you know they are looking for solutions to do things a little bit differently. And I guess we you know we do we keep seeing more and more indications that dread is completely uncompromising and again to the point that I was saying you know is he is he a hero or villain? When he's when he's arrested the guy for parking tickets or, you know, Diane Lane's character, Judge Hershey, you know, she seems to be losing the argument with this guy. And then I, I didn't like this, but again, it's another relic. Probably you wouldn't see this nowadays, but, you know, Stallone turns up. And after after arguing the toss with the with the judge, he's, he's like, oh, no, no, it's all right. You know, how much do I pay? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then Stallone just decides to switch his grenade on. So you do get to see, you know, there's a few little nods to, to the different abilities, you know, the different functionalities of his gun, you know. And so he calls on the grenade and just blows up this guy's really nice, sporty new car. So I'm kind of watching this thinking, you're an absolute tool. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you know, you just blow up the guy's car. You know, it's not, it's not proportional, is it? No. No, you know, it's for, not. for the crime. So I guess the story does okay in telling us that, that, you know, he is a bit of a tool. But I don't, they tell us that, but they don't make a point of he is a tool. And when we get to the end and recap, I'll, I'll question then how much growing does the character actually do through the movie? Yeah, yeah. No, good point, Dave. Very good point. And I, I think you've hit the nail on the head, if I'm being honest. It was, it, I think... The way Stallone set himself up for the character for maybe the first half hour, it should have been, a, you know, a, an R-rated film. And then all of a sudden, he, I don't know, it's just weird because once the mask comes off, he's just his normal character, really, which he is mm-hmm. the same Stallone in every single film he's in. Yeah, yeah. Really strange, really strange setup, I must admit. Yeah. So jumping across, we go, we meet Rico. Yeah. And so he's he's in prison uh, up in Aspen, and someone smuggled him in a gun, and you get a clue that you know he's he's a he's a judge from the past, so he ends up escaping out of there, and then he goes to what looks like a, a pawn shop, P A W N, yeah, <laughs> and you know he he gets this this uh, old robot. I can't remember what what do they call a robot. I'm watching it's it now. Probably, uh... probably not important, but. Oh. Again, the guy is, uh, you know, he's saying he's not hooked up to the mainframe. It's not called the mainframe, is it? It's called something else. But it's an old warrior combat robot. And so he activates that. And so that's his little little pal and then kills off the pawn shop owner. Now, Dave, one thing in this scene, so I've actually got it on now, is he's obviously got a full dread suit, Annie, because it's a finger... Uh, print analysis to open the case which has got his mm-hmm. 
he's gearing from you know when he was obviously a, a copper like a, a copper a judge, but the guy actually says Hall of Justice as well. Oh, does he? Yeah, he dropped it to pawn uh, shop guy says it, and then he puts his fingerprint and pulls the gun out. His suit's there, which we we find out he's a judge dread suit in it in, in the next couple of scenes, and then he awakens. He does a bit of you know jiggery pokery, awakens this droid stroke robot monster thing, doesn't he? So yeah. again, Dave, I, t- I totally agree with you. I think for ninety five, it's a cracking bit of um, C- not CGI special effects what they've done. Because it's a moving, oh, believable. It's obviously some guy underneath, but it looks it doesn't look out of place. It doesn't look a 1995 prop, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like I say, it's all it's all practical effects. And and you're probably, you know, in 95, you're not too far away from when they, you know, you're probably five years away from when they start adding more and more CGI in. And so, you know, it gets a bit ropey at the start. And, you know, it's only really now, I think, where where it's to a level where it looks it looks real, you know. Yeah. So um so yeah, so he's he's obviously the big bad, isn't he? And and there, there was a line when he uh, when he was in the shop, it, I can't remember if it was the case or the gun or something. I think it was the gun, wasn't it? And the guy's saying, no, no. You know, again, he's telling us the audience really, isn't he? You can't touch that unless you're a judge. And he yeah. touches it and he's all right. And he says, oh, I must be a judge then. So, you know, we know again, right, this is obviously the big bad, but what's going on there? He seems to be a judge. The The next thing I guess we see is that um, you get a news reporter criticizing Dredd. Um, yeah. And basically it looks like he's he's the murderer. Now, again, <laughs> I recognize this guy who got killed off. He plays like the CEO or something in Liar Liar. Yeah. Do you remember the old yeah, Jim, yeah, Carrey Jim Carrey? Movie? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, he, he basically looks really like one of, one of the companies I used to work for. The CEO really looked like him, which is why it just it just jumped out of the, the screen to me. I was like, oh, it's, it's that same bloke. So he, he, doesn't, he doesn't stay in there for very long. He, he's just there to get killed off. Yeah, he does get killed off. And I think because he's quite critical of Dread, he's quite a... Nice little neat way of stitching him up. But the guy day for you could be Liar Liar, which is a great film. But for me, he's always going to be Colonel Peter McAllister out of Lethal Weapon because he's the main baddie in Lethal Weapon, Mr. Joshua. So my all-time favourite film. So, yeah, he's always going to be... They run Shadow Company in my mind, Dave. So when he was in it, I was laughing to myself thinking, you've got Maxwell Dent, who's that Jürgen Prock now, who's Judge Griffin. He's the baddie in Beverly Hills Cop 2 and Lethal Weapon. I bought them at the same time when I was about 12. <laughs> I should have been 18, but I got them for my birthday and bought them. I'm, I'm absolutely one of my, even now, favourite films of all time. I can watch them over and over. So just laughing, just my inner self thinking I've got Stallone. I've got two baddies at my favourite film. So I was, I've started going the other way then thinking, oh, I'm quite enjoying this now. It, <laughs> it relates, I know I shouldn't, like a bias, but it relates to stuff that means a lot to me. So yeah, quite interesting. Yeah. But again, you're right, he gets blown away. He's killed him and his wife. They've conveniently got cameras in the room and he's got his dread, you know, uniform on, which then leads to once dread has done this guy's car, and as you were saying before regarding the speeding tickets, 
a load of these big troops come marching down, don't they, in, in sort of uniform together, and they're like, you, you know, Joseph Dredd, you're under arrest for yeah, uh, yeah. murder. And he goes to this trial, doesn't he, where obviously Diane Lane's character, uh, she sticks up for him, basically, doesn't she? And uh, Judge, uh, Justice Fargo as well, he ends up, they've convicted him of murder, said because his DNA's on the actual bullet, don't they, for killing them. But they also, he says, I'm stepping down. And then to step down, he, he's, he's supposed to be deaf, isn't it? And he says, you know, spare him, you know, treat him. Um, yeah, so, so treat, him with, treat him with leniency. So yes. this was, I mean, there's quite a lot unfolded there, wasn't there? So yeah. he picked Judge Hershey because, you know, she she was well qualified. She uh, came top of her class in law and stuff. And she's, she's doing quite well. She says, you know, the, the resolution of the camera, it, it's not good enough to actually consider, you know, that as a positive ID. And then they pull out a joker, don't they? So they say, we don't normally do this, but we're going to access the files and, and, you know, you, no one knew about this, but basically every bullet is tagged with the judge's DNA. And so let's check who was it. And oh, yeah, it's it's Judge Dredd. And again, it, it was just, I, I felt Diane Lane's character, she was just played in a very 90s way. You know, she'd given a, a good account of herself, you know, to, to basically throw out this inadmissible evidence. But then as soon as new evidence comes up, she she dissolves into this whimpering kind of, oh, no, no, you can't do that. You know, <laughs> you know, yeah. she, I, again, I'd, I think if you were to make that now, she, she'd be a bit of a stronger character. But anyway, so, you know, everyone feels, well, Judge, what's his face? Uh, Fargo, you know, he feels quite let down because he'd been like a father figure, hadn't he, to Judge Dredd. And so he's like, oh, it's, it really needs to... Uh, Oh, it's the German guy, isn't it? So yeah. the German guy, you know, and, and this is a this is a Hannibal A team, like, you know, this, the plan could not have possibly come together any better because he gets him out of the way, he gets Fargo to go off and do the long walk. Yeah. And uh, you know, they send Dread off, so instead of putting him to death, they send him off up to Aspen. Yeah, exactly. And also, did you notice who the cadet was in the crowd who when they say they're not gonna you know, they're going to go leaning on him and stuff. It was uh, Lee Shriver, Dave. It was obviously... Oh, is uh, it? Yeah, yeah. He's got, oh, he's, got, he's, he's got a really bad monobrow because he's the one who gets into the computer system later on. Is that him? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, honestly, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Obviously, as we know, he's uh, part of the old uh, X-Men universe, isn't he? Sabretooth. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, a bit of trivia for you there, Dave. I, I've got a, another one coming up, actually. Oh, have you? We've got a few different characters. We've obviously got Superman's mum, uh, Stallone. He's he's in the Guardians of the Galaxy, isn't he? And I, I've got another one that, that I'm guessing you probably won't won't get. But when we get there, in fact, we'll get there quite soon. So, yeah. so essentially, you know, Dread he's he's been uh, carted off with all the other criminals, and he just. What are the chances? You're talking about Mega City. You're talking about this ridiculously sized city that's the east coast of the US. But he just happens to be sat right next to Rob Schneider on the, on the uh, prison transport. And then, you know, he's kind of looking at his chin and saying, oh, that's dread, isn't it? 
and you know i think some of the other prisoners here and so they're sort of they cotton on to the fact that it's him and then again where they skirt over a little bit i thought rob schneider had some decent dialogue here where he's sort of questioning dread's conviction in the law and he's saying well you know you worship the law but you're saying you're wrongly imprisoned yeah those two things can't you know oh he says doesn't he He says the law doesn't make mistakes he says oh it's funny that because you're here and you're saying you're you're innocent. So I thought, again, it could have explored that a little bit more, but no, it just skirts on past that. And you get, you know, someone's, one of the prisoners is going to break free and, and try and stab him. But the thing that I do love, and, and uh, you probably see this again a little bit less now, but I do love how, you know, in, in North America, they treat their Southern brethren <laughs> with such dignity and respect. <laughs> so you get the most, you know, stereotypical hillbillies, don't you, who, you know, spot that this this transport's on on its way, it's flying overhead, and they're going to take it down with a rocket. And yeah. so, and this is the other comic character that appears in here. Uh, and it's probably after you stop watching it. No, it's The Walking Dead, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the guy who has the farm. It's Herschel. Yeah. Herschel, yeah. yeah. I have seen that series, Dave. Ah, uh, okay. I because... thought you dropped out after the first, first. No, the first and second series I watched because I'm watching it. It's only come to me now, as you would say, because I'm watching it and I'm thinking, what is he out of remembering with short hair? Playing an old, well, not playing an old man. He is an old man, isn't he now? Like, and I'm, I'm thinking, yeah. and it just as you've said it, then sorry to steal your thunder. I'm, no, I'm no, no, that's all right. Well, it sounds like I, I led you there. And so, yeah, they they take down, which is quite handy. So it stops dread being stabbed, and they end up um, strung up. And again, you're getting some moments between Stallone. I, I imagine from what you said before, Stallone had quite a lot to do with these moments between you know Dredd and and Rob Schneider. So they're strung up and they're being interrogated by these hillbillies. And again, it's it's like hillbillies ramped up to eleven, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And so uh, old Fergie, he decides, you know, he's he's gonna he's gonna see the light. You know, and and he thinks he's thinks he's being quite smart there, and then of course, uh, it turns out they're cannibals. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they they're going to eat him because he's he's seen the light. But then Stallone, he he gets free initially, doesn't he? Yeah, so he gets free, and then you know he's uh, trying to take some of them out, and then you get a bit of a, a bit of a fight scene, a bit of action again in this bit, and then his mate comes in to save the day, old Fargo, Judge Fargo, who's been on his long walk. But that reunion doesn't last very long because he gets uh, skewered like a kebab very quickly so you know he ends up on on death's door pretty much and then stallone uh has to see off this this kind of metal cyborg bloke with uh by electrocuting him yeah yeah which is quite clever because this guy looks quite invincible doesn't he? he's not exactly a locker is he dave no no not at all so um but yeah, there's enough life in Fargo, isn't there, to to let him know about this whole Janus program or Janus? They kept calling it, didn't they, in the in the, yeah. in the movie? And so it turns out, you know, this Rico, who Dredd had sentenced, is actually his long lost brother. Yeah, 
And I think, I'm not sure if just, I think it's just before that, isn't it? So, and this is the bit I'm trying to think back now, is it Liv Shriver? Actually, I've got it on now. It is definitely. It is, right, right. Okay. It's the CGI bit when he takes the kid away from the photo and stuff. Because they've got a picture of Rico behind it, haven't they? Which they find, Diane Lane's character finds. He's there saying, isn't he? Which is quite interesting they mention CGI in the film. But he, Does he, he actually says, mention CGI? Yeah, 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 he uh, says CGI. Right. CGI built up. The only thing left on the picture is is the child. It's the baby, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and again, I think it cuts from there just to the the moment when the penny drops with dread. It's like, oh, hang about Rico's Rico's actually my brother. We were both created in the lab. But with Rico, something went wrong. Um, and, you know, Dread had been created from the DNA of all the best judges and tried to enhance all the characteristics, all the ones that they wanted to enhance. And so, you know, he puts it together. Well, actually, so he's going to have the same DNA as me. And so that's how that's how I've been convicted. Yeah. Yeah. And the only thing I, I thought was quite good continuity wise, Dave, is there's a few close ups of Stallone and Rico. And they've got these obviously real piercing blue contact lenses in. Um, I don't know if you picked up on that at all, no, but, but they've no. both got, when they're up close, because there's no real similarities. Yeah, there's, there's a vague close your eyes a little bit <laughs> jawline thing. But other than that, you couldn't say man for man, they were absolutely uh, on the money sort of thing. So it, it, it wasn't miscast because it's Stallone, Stallone, but he looked more superior, which I think is what they were getting at in that respect. Other than the eyes, you wanted to mm-hmm. said they were brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I didn't think they looked anything like each other, to be honest. No, but, no. Uh, but yeah, I think at some point later in the movie, someone says, oh, he quite looks like you. And I'm like, no, you're trying too hard. He, he doesn't. But um, but anyway, yeah, so, so it's at this point, isn't it, that we find out Judge Griffin, the, the German guy, is, he's behind all of it. And so he, he wants Rico to, to wreak havoc across uh, across the city so it allows him it's going to allow him to reopen the janus files and, and carry that program on as as it had been closed off years before yeah so dread you know along with fergie rob schneider they they're going to try and get into the city and again you get some dialogue don't you well no one can break in there and but dread knows there were some people who who tried to do it before um they got absolutely fried but you know the theory of how they got back in there. You know the the incinerators have so many seconds in between bursts, don't they? So in theory, you could run along um, in between these bursts, and and you could get in, get into the city. Yeah. And you know, again, it's just it's just classic Stallone sort of action, isn't it? So you know. Uh, Fergie, obviously, when they're trying to do this, and again, you know, Fergie doesn't really want to do it. You get Stallone, though, he saves him, doesn't he? Because he, he falls over, and then as soon as he falls over, you know, he, his legs can't work, it seems, to pull himself back up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, the old classic. Even because the thing is, it's not like Stallone puts him over his shoulder. He just sort of, you know, picked him up very quickly, doesn't he? Yeah. It's, it's quite pathetic, to be honest, Dave. But against Stallone in this bit, Judge Dredd's gone from being this serious, absolutely down the middle. I know he's just been sent to jail, which didn't, he wasn't even in there a day. 
but and he gets you know, broken out. Of that. But there's real emotion to who he is. He doesn't really deviate from Stallone, basically, his normal character. Because like I said to you, it's almost like watching a bit like Demolition Man and that, because there's a bit of humour there to what Stallone's saying. There's yeah, a bit of life yeah, in yeah. his character, which I think if he, in my personal opinion, for the pure sort of comedy value he, he was trying to say the film needed, I think he needed to be like that from the absolutely from the first minute. If they, they should have had in jokes in and little one-liners, even when he was being serious. If they, that's what they were going for to make it believable, because it didn't know whether it was being a comedy or it was being something you know serious. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't understand where we were in that in that respect. And reading up on the research, I, I still don't get it. I don't get what I think. I think maybe the, the director was correcting this. If I'm being honest, like yeah, Dan, I Dan think in- so. I mean, if I'm to be forgiving and kind, I would say, well. Maybe you know that's him becoming more human. Yeah, you know, that's that's his growth as a character. You know, he starts off completely down the middle, uncompromising, no humor whatsoever, and then as he's as he gets other people in his life, like Judge Hershey and uh, and Fergie, he becomes more and more human. But yeah. I think I'm being very very kind there. It literally happens in the space of a day, doesn't it? Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. This is the scene I've got on now. Is because obviously, you know, Judge Dredd breaks him. He ends up getting in there with um, Fergie, and they go through that drain, like you say, with a fire. But he puts his suit back on, doesn't he? And comes in, and one of the guards like grabs him and takes his helmet off, and he gives him a crack, and then he comes face to face with Rico. And it's at that point where, if you look at the eyes, they've got the same blue eyes. Right, right, okay. Judge Griffin then shoots himself in the arm, so it looks like Dredd's killed all the men because he's like you know he's killed all the men and he's just shot me and then dread um dread runs don't he with fergie because the guards are after him then because he's under suspicion again for killing more innocent people yeah so griffin had actually killed off all, well he'd got rico to kill rico, off all yeah. the judges hadn't he so yeah. just just before that bit and so yeah and he he sort of shoots himself like you say in the arm to try and you know, say say that it's it's alone. And is it before or after this bit where you know they they're basically trying to take out all the judges, aren't they? Yes, yeah, they've took quite a lot of them out. The robots yeah, yeah, yeah. was hidden under some blankets conveniently, and then uh, we we get like one of them's gets killed in the locker room or all of them get killed. She opens a locker and there's a there's a bomb in there, and, and this triggers off everything that happens now where you know, the whole building's gone and a load of the judges have been killed. But then we get this scene where they end up on this sort of schemabile, don't they? That's failed earlier on. And they've got, and Dredd and Fergie have got to escape because the, mm-hmm. the, they've been chased. He's, he's lost the suit pretty much straight away. Um, and then, I mean, I, I'm not really convinced by this vehicle, I'll be honest with you, Dave. It, it just looks like a cheap ski stroke moped, doesn't it, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not, not all the budget went on that bit. No, and the CGI behind it, the sort of the old studio thing looks terrible. It looks like one of them theme park rides where it's got a bit of a um, <laughs> simulator. It's not looking the best. Yeah, yeah. And again, I, I'm probably mixing up the order a little bit, but he meets up with Judge Hershey, doesn't doesn't he? And, you know, uh, she's obviously suspicious because all the judges have, have, a load of these judges have been killed off and, and she doesn't know uh, if Dredd, you know, he suddenly... All the judges are killed off. Dredd suddenly, who's been convicted, suddenly shows up. You know, you'd understandably be be a little bit suspicious. But in this scene, again, it was just another one where I, I don't think they'd shoot it in the same way now. You know, she's got the gun up to him. 
And he doesn't actually say anything. He just, in a manly way, just puts the gun down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the power of suggestion. It's okay. I'm looking at you intensely. You can trust me. And they do it a few times where they have that effect where it's just light over their eyes, you know, and then they, they darken like the, the top of the forehead and the, and the mouth. <laughs> yeah. It's like one of those old fifties movies or something like that. Noir movies. So, um, I, again, just thought that was a little bit silly, but she ends up, you know, she ends up trusting him and, Meanwhile, you get Rico, you know, he's going a bit nuts. So he's decided, old Griffin's got, got his approval to, to reopen the Janus files. And, you know, Rico's like happy days, but instead of using all the best, the DNA from all the best judges and everything, I'm going to just clone myself. Yeah. And, you know, they, whereas before, whereas the likes of Dread and Rico, they've had to have been, you know, hatched early on in life and then and then they grow up just as regular people uh you can now accelerate all of this and, and you grow fully formed people straight away so you know he uh, uh swaps out his dna there yeah i think i think i must admit dave i'll be honest with you as I've, I've got it playing again in the background like we always have i really want rob schneider's character to be killed in this film because he's absolutely <laughs> annoying me because i just think he's an absolute missed opportunity he's not even needed in the film at all i don't think david he really he pulls the plot along but it's there's a point now where you're like look you're not funny the film isn't funny just stop playing this slapstick you know that he's the, he's the funny to Stallone straight man. It just really started grating on me. He's supposed to be that comic relief, isn't he? But yeah. like I say, he adds nothing to the story at all. No, um, not particularly funny. I, I, I don't know. Possibly being a bit unkind, mostly because what what he's done since. But I don't know. If I, again, if I'm to be kind at the time, you know, he has a, a few kind of half funny lines, and if you go in for that action comedy pitch then okay i could see why you would think that would work but i agree it, it kind of doesn't and he ends up shot doesn't he uh yeah at uh where is that the, yeah he ends up getting shot by the robot doesn't he so it takes one full in the gut and uh you're thinking hooray <laughs> <laughs> but he seems to do all right after <laughs> you can still own then goes we get the scene with the robot don't we yeah and he's got on a he's got older hershey and Stallone goes full on John Rambo there, but then obviously Rico just walks over with the gun and he gives it all up, doesn't he? Gets sort of captured then. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, Dave. I don't know. I mean, like you say, he needs to get out of the film at this point, Fergie. You know he's not going to, but he's a bit like, it's like they were going for the Joe Pesci guy in Lethal Weapon when they brought the second one out. We had Joe Pesci there, didn't you? He's the light relief and the bit yeah, of the, uh, yeah. But, but yeah. it was still an 18 film. It wasn't, this is, as much as I enjoyed the film, this is where it doesn't know what it is. And I totally get now where the reviews and the, the sort of criticism's coming from because it's, I'm really struggling now because I just, I can't work out whether I'm actually bothered by what happens at the end of it, if that makes sense. No, it absolutely does. I mean, we're, we're kind of getting towards the end, aren't we? So, you know, Dredd and, and Rico, they, they have their fight off. Um, again, so after he's been shot, Fergie, you think he's he's probably out the game, but you know he, he sort of shows up, doesn't he? he? Shows up, he's been shot in the gut. You know he, he could barely stand a minute ago, but he ends up jumping on the back of this robot, and because he's a hacker, 
that's what hackers do. <laughs> they jump up on the back of massive warrior robots and pull out all the wires. I, I think I'd fancy a crack at packing if it was <laughs> if it was like that. But anyway, so you know, he he has his little heroic moment there, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He does. And and you've got while this is going on, you've got this situation where Dredd goes into the room with Rico, doesn't he? And he, he gets to see these clones. Now the timeline of the film is not over the space of months, weeks, even days. Rico gives blood probably a couple of hours earlier, and within the, the space of Dread then finding Rico, we've got fully functioning clones with eyes opening and stuff. And I, at this point, I was like, oh, come <laughs> yeah. on. I'm sorry. I'm not believing any of this at all. I know they're not fully developed, and it's that Rico you can tell by the eyes, but I was just like, no, I'm not having this at all. Even yeah. in The Matrix, it wasn't that quick. Yeah, I guess, I guess though, if you think like 3D printing, because <laughs> they'd said earlier, hadn't they? Because the previous Janus project, you know, like say they had to grow up as regular people. Um, whereas this, they say the technology's come along. So, you know, they're expecting you to just have that little stretch. But then, like say, they, they're obviously 3D printed and then, but they're all still gooey and everything. Now, here's the thing though with the clones Rico tries to activate them. You know, and the computer says, oh, they're only at 60% or something. And then you see some kind of hints that they're going to all come out and do something. But then they don't. <laughs> yeah. You get some sinister eyes and, you know, you get, you get one arm coming up and, you know, you think he, they're going to out, they're all going to gang up on Judge Dredd. But nothing actually happens with no. the clones, does it? No. It's, <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. It, but maybe there was Dave and it was cut. Yeah, maybe maybe there was some, maybe yeah, yeah. maybe there was something going on there. And you obviously Rico and Dredd are having a fight then and we get a bit of an X-Men, you know, scene, don't we, where they're fighting at the top of the Statue of Liberty. Slash X-Men slash Phantom Menace. <laughs> yeah. Because, so, you know, again, we don't have to talk about the fight too much. I don't think nothing particularly eventful happens in there. Just a classic Arnie showdown. Sorry, not Arnie, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone showdown with some other big bad. And then he ends up throwing him off the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. And as yeah. he's falling down, I'm thinking, well, I don't know if he's dead. If Darth Maul can survive, <laughs> you know, yeah. and he, he was cut in half. So, so I think it, it could well be back. Yeah, yeah, true, true. And well, also you get the old um, uh, diehard Dave, very much uh, the, you know off the side of the building. He does yeah, it. It's Alan. Yeah, yeah. He's not yeah. full on Alan Rickman because you don't see his face, but he's gone. And I agree. I'm just watching it as you say that now. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a bit the hangover in there as well. Stallone hanging off the side. So maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe he was just doing a nod to some of his other films. We've had the Rambo sections and that. Oh, he was the Rocky bit. We had the full shebang. But, yeah. you know, Hershey saves the day because, you know, she's ready to kill him, isn't she, the henchwoman? And, and everyone goes all happy, I think. <laughs> I, well, I, I, again, just another terrible piece. The henchwoman, you know, suddenly falls for Rico for some inexplicable reason a little bit earlier in the movie. But yeah. then... She goes to kick Judge Hershey between the legs, and then Judge Hershey stops and says, you don't fight women much, do you? <laughs> and I thought, now, come on. If you still kick someone, doesn't matter what gender they are, they, that, that is still going to hurt. And I just thought it was just such a terrible line <laughs> to put in there. But yeah. anyway... Um, but yeah, so so they come down from the like the Statue of Liberty and the city's central supercomputers recorded everything and broadcast everything. So 
as he comes out, you know, he, I guess he figures he's going to be arrested and they say, you know, some of the worst dialogue ever, um, and not just the dialogue and execution, but the idea of it, you sort of, you're being sent off, you know, to live out your days in this prison into the gulag, essentially, but you get to the bottom and it's like, no, your name's cleared. Everything's fine. And we'd quite like to be your, our chief judge. <laughs> it's like it's like you were saying with uh with nick fury you know he's been in exile for five years and then it's come back and you know you can fly the plane and all sorts yeah i just thought i just really cringed with that moment to be honest and and as he comes out though dave it's more apparent that you know his bike's there his whole outfit's there (laughs) how do they know he's he's covered in blood he probably needs a shower because he stinks but oh no i'll just find it looked i must the thing though dave the actual yellow or supposed to be gold clip-on thing looks absolutely it, atrocious. It looked poor, didn't it? Oh, it in this way. bit in particular, I think it's because of the lighting. You know, when it's dark, it earlier in the movie and you saw it, it, it didn't quite look as bad, but I thought in the daylight, it, it looked pretty terrible. It looked like something you'd get from Argos as a kid or something, wouldn't it? You know, like if you were trying to get like a, you know, the Incredible Hulk outfit. So oh, it was, it was dreadful. Yeah, yeah. And it, and he drives off into the sunset. But the end section, the last final piece of the whole film is he gets sort of like a bit of a tip on the side of a building so far up in the air, but he's on his scooter bike thing. And I'm thinking, well, how have you got up there? What is, I know they, they flew and stuff, but it just looks... I don't know. I was I was quite glad that was the end of the film at this point, Dave. <laughs> well, Strange. I mean, so I mentioned it at the top when we were going through our background about growth of of the character, and that it just skipped over some of the real hard issues. And it's at this point. So he just he just says, you know, I'm I'm a street judge. You know, I'm not going to take this uh, whatever it was, Supreme Judge title you you want to give me and so i'm just going to get on with my job and i just kind of think of all the things that you've learned and again you know i i look at these guys the the people in power they're kind of like the empire you know and so he should have had his whole belief system shaken to the core but he's like no no i'm just going to carry on as if nothing's happened (laughs) i just thought no that's that's just poor yeah you've not learned anything no, and he and he doesn't even wipe the blood off his face, Dave. You know, it's like, come on, you know, make <laughs> it a little believable. You know, like a bit of a ceremony, like a yeah. a bit, like, a bit like I suppose. I mean, we've we've said a few sort of similarities to Star Wars, but a bit like at the end of, of like a New Hope, where they get the medals, Han Solo, and everything's redeemed. You know, something like that, where they they reaward him his outfit, but no, someone's there. Like you know, it's it's almost like when you watch them films where you've got like the superstar and he comes out the bath and you've got someone holding his robe, like coming to America or something, you know, like Eddie Murphy's got like, you know, the, the people who sort of bath him and getting ready. And, and it's like that. And I was like, Oh no, no, you just, it, it just lost the point of the character. And I think it would have made so much more sense if this film was a proper R rated violence led film, it would have made for such a better film. Very much Total Recall, because I don't know if you picked up on it, Dave, but the one thing I did pick up with on the settings, I don't know if it's done at the same place or anything, it felt like with the, with the way the vehicles moved and the way the vehicles were built, that they'd got a lot of overspill stuff from Back to the Future 2, where he goes in, fr- in front, even down to 
the way the city was and the noises of the vehicles, it just felt, and that's one of my favourite series of films ever, Back to the Future. The trilogy is one of my favourite ever films. And it just felt like that. I was like, you've not really stolen anything from it, even though there's not been spared. I thought, you just watched Back to the Future and gone, right, all the vehicles are going <laughs> to look like this. And I just, just I don't know whether that... I think that, that probably says a lot because I think they were going for more of a Blade Runner feel yeah. and tone and they end up hitting Back to the Future too. <laughs> I think that's that, all right. that says it all. Yeah, I'm not saying that that's you, but... Even at the start, I was going to mention it at the start, and just watching at the end as he drives off, and the way the sounds and everything was just a rip off of from. I mean, Robert Zemeckis should have had him for copyright infringement because even down to the the little add-ons they put onto the scooter and the cars, it just looked like when he goes forward thirty years by McFly. Strange. <laughs> yeah. Well, should we should we go into our wrap up? Yep. Let's go for it. This week, Dave, I think it's myself first, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah. Well, first 10 minutes, as we both alluded to, I was thinking, oh, my word, it's a RoboCop parody, an absolute comedy setup, and even Stallone's just taking the mic, like a sketch you'd see on Saturday Night Live or something, the way he was portraying himself, his voice, the way, you know, it was just awful. The, the best bit about the first 10 minutes was the little microphone boom thing that come out of his hat when he come to get the baddies when they were firing down on him in the first 10 minutes. I thought that was quite nice. And then Rob Snyder, forget about it. He should have been killed off before he'd even started the film, if I'm being honest. Absolute nonsense. It, it just took away from what the film was going to be. It should have just been about Dread and uh, Hershey, if I'm being honest. They should have made it into a bit of a rescue mission or something like that. It was absolutely atrocious. But in the middle, it does pick up and we get Bread and Butter, 1980s, 90s, Stallone. Very much Demolition Man, stuff like that. You know, you've, you've got connotations of all these films, but in a less violent way. It's never going to be a Rambo. It wasn't that. The fact that they cut it out and cut out a lot of the blood and gore and everything, I think, has lost the film its way. So going through, and like we said before, and you were totally right, Dave, one of your best things you've ever said in the podcast was, to make a good film and a superhero film, you need a good baddie. And this guy, Rico, was of the, as very much like the guy out of The Losers, Jason Patrick. Yeah, he, was yeah. just, he was just there to service the plot. Other than these contact lenses he had on he was pretty forgettable and, and i've never probably never seen him in anything else since other than maybe he might have been some tv shows later but he wasn't a well-known actor as far as i can remember i don't know who he is and i just didn't get it i didn't get it he didn't seem a match for dread i'd say what he felt like when he was having the fight scenes dave like when you watch commando the guy out of mad max oh yeah, is the baddie yeah. in commando that australian guy you know bennett in Commando. And when you see Arnie use this, and I know as someone who's done MMA at a low level and a very low level, muscles, height, whip, size means absolutely nothing. But in films, it does, as we've said before. Whenever you get a baddie who's smaller than the, the main sort of protagonist, you know, it, it never comes across. You always want the goodie. In a film, anyway, whether it's real life or not, you always want the goodie to be at a disadvantage you know they're absolutely someone to the average guy on the street doesn't mess with but when they come up against the baddie they've got to literally pull something out of the hat and they rabbit out of the hat to beat them because they just physically are not a match for him and this guy 
was just terrible. The fight scenes was forgettable. He was really choreographed poorly, and I wasn't convinced. So Stallone, great in certain bits. Just when he took the mask off, he became just bread and butter action Stallone. So for me, Dave, it's going to Hell's Kitchen. Very good. Now, just a quick question. Have you seen the remake of, of Dread? I haven't, no, no. Okay, that's that's interesting. So we'll have to do that at some point. Definitely. Because I think it is better. Yeah. But it came out about the same time as The Raid, and it's it's very, very similar in terms of its concept and the way it was done. So it, it got a bit of abuse for that. But in terms of a standalone movie, it was, it, it was actually quite good, I thought. I'll definitely watch it. Yeah, we'll definitely watch that. So, yeah, it's, it's funny you say about Commando. I, I always remember that guy because I always thought he, he just looked a bit overweight. Yeah. <laughs> the, the sort of chubby guy with the tash. I mean, I'm sure if he stood next to me, he'd look, he'd look ripped. But, you know, against Arnie, he just, he, he just looked ridiculous. Bennett, don't mess with me. He always said, don't mess with me, John. Don't mess with me, John. Because he's, <laughs> he's, he's Australian and he's the yeah, guy. Yeah. He's the camp guy out of Mad Max, who's like the main baddie, who's, who's like the leader of that sort of raging, marauding group. He's got long hair, wears chaps. And I think he brings that character over into Commando. And this right. is where this Rico's trying to go for the whole, not the campness at all, the psycho bit, but he just looks weak compared to Stallone because, you know, Stallone's just this hulking man, isn't he? Yeah, I, I thought, you know, in terms of the baddie, I'd agree in terms of how good he was. He was like the guy from The Losers, but I thought he was hamming it up beyond Hasselhoff standards. You know, the way he was delivering every single line that he had, I, I just thought was way over the top and and just didn't really enjoy his performance at all. What, what I would say is, you know, I mean, Rob Schneider should not be anywhere near this movie. Yeah. Um, it, it, like I think you said he should have been killed off before the movie. So I think we're on the same page there. <laughs> so so coming into it, I'm thinking this is going to Hell's Kitchen. I, I know this or Phantom Zone, depending on how bad it is. But when I started to watch it, I'm thinking, actually, this this looks quite good. And you know, I guess it kind of makes sense if the budget was quite high for around that time, you could just tell with all the cinematography and stuff, it, it still, for its time, it still stands up quite well. But I think the biggest problem this movie's got is it just doesn't know what it is. And so, you know, hearing about all of the the infighting, you know, between the director and Stallone, it all makes sense that, you know, there's some hard issues here and then, you know, they, they could tackle those but it sounds like most of that was cut and so they they're putting in more kind of just action comedy moments as well so i think though just for the way it looks i think i can't send it off to the phantom zone yeah but it, it's not it's not much into hell's kitchen there's not too much. There's nothing I can sort of say to someone, oh, yeah, go go back. And, you know, even Generation X and Nick Fury, I'd sort of, you know, say, yeah, go back and watch it just for for kicks. With this one, I think there's there's really nothing I can say about it that, <laughs> that you know, what what can you say about it, you know, that, that you could recommend to someone? So, like, for Nick Fury, you could say, look, just watch Hasselhoff. It, it's funny. With this one, I, I just can't think of anything. So, for me, it's a Hell's Kitchen as well, but not not by much. The cinematography was better than I thought it was going to be, but 
Yeah, really, really not a good movie for everything else. No, I think I've only done the same mainly for Stallone, Dave, maybe the nostalgia side of it, because this was his bread and butter. But it's a shame because a lot of the films we've reviewed, and even down to Tim Burton's Batman, it was obviously filmed on a closed set. This, but they, they created the world really well around what it was based on. And there's a lot of indoor set stuff in there. It's all scenery mm-hmm. and, you know, not CGI, but it's all special effects and, and real made effects. And it doesn't feel like that. And you can actually tell the actors in it are good actors. They're not, you know, oh, absolutely yeah, nobody. Yeah. You know, Nick Fury, other than Hasselhoff, who have you got in there? You've got no one. I mean, that Pierce guy, he's probably never been seen again other than an episode of The Last of the Summer Wine, maybe in the <laughs> 90s or something. But absolutely terrible. But, but, you, you can just tell, and I totally agree with the Nick Fury generation. I mean, Generation X is the worst thing I've ever seen, but at the moment, but Nick Fury's a better film than this, and and I don't know why it shouldn't be, but I just think it might just be because of the Hoff. I just, mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't know. Stallone neither hands it up or plays it serious, and you've got Rob Snyder there just completely doing the comedy, so it doesn't. It doesn't sit well with me at all. And and if anyone wants to watch it, watch it as a precursor maybe for the 2012 remake, as you've said, which seems like a better film. So I'd be interested to watch that down the line to see what I think. But I just think with it being out 2012, it will be a bit more grittier, Dave, because mm-hmm. it was weird. It was I'll tell you what it was like. It was a bit like the Batman films, the Schumacher films, where they either... They try and play it too serious, but then you've got a comedy someone, there's a comedy yeah, character yeah, around, yeah. And, and that's what it felt like. There's a lot of budget and a lot of nothing yeah. in the end. So, yeah. Yeah, good stuff, Dave. Good score as well. Cool. It's it's more fun, though, isn't it, when we disagree and I think, you know, have different scores. But I, th- I think this one uh, it is bouncing around the bottom. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, that's what it is. Um, now, Dave, before we go, the old selfless plugs, have you got any? Well, let's start off with Chat Footy. You might have noticed if you're watching our Twitter and our Facebook that we're putting up a few uh, silly little videos and it's all around kind of sort of parodies on, on England's World Cup song. So Chris and I, and we've also got Ben from the, the Grassroots Coach Cast, we're going through every other every other day or, or at the moment, through the different rounds we're on the chat footy podcast so we're kind of looking back at the at the last few games giving our thoughts on that and then and then our predictions going into the future so we'll be recording uh, another episode of that on saturday so i expect actually by the time we release this we'll we'll have this one drop on sunday so you'll be able to hop across to the chat footy podcast as well and listen to that sister podcast to that is the Chat Footy Gossip podcast, which Chris, you manfully uh, plowing on with. So every day you've got a, a short little podcast that will bring you up to date with all the latest transfer speculation and gossip in and around that football or soccer world. I am. And then my final plug I'll give is the Grassroots Coach Cast. So that's where Ben and myself basically talk about all things uh, to do with youth soccer or youth football coaching at the grassroots level. Chris, do you have any plugs for us? Yes, I've only got one plug. I've got two plugs, actually. One of them is my podcast, which, again, this week for the fourth week running has not been available because mainly because we're so busy at the moment with the World Cup on that. I've got numerous guests 
supposedly lined up, but we just can't get the da- the dates in the diary. But the contextual podcast is the name on Twitter or CPod78. And on YouTube, it's Conceptual Podcast. Please give me a follow and listen. There's 48 episodes there on iTunes. Mainly started off around gaming, but we spread out across all my interests, MMA, WWE, football, uh, UFC, or UFC is MMA, stuff like that. And yeah, give us a follow. And then on the side of that as well, which comes under mine in Dave's Entertainment Network, which is the Whatever Entertainment Network, I've got the C-Pod 7-8 Vlogs, which is me vlogging on sort of family events, holidays, just a little little sections, and I'm quite proud that I've had a few people say that they've binge-watched my content, which, considering it's absolutely amateur hour with some of the editing and sound, I'm really pleased. <laughs> so I'm only going to get better, and please keep supporting me. So that's CPod78 Vlogs on YouTube and Twitter. Very good. And if you want to drop us a five-star review on iTunes, as I said at the top of the show, that would be lovely. That just helps us try and grow the show. If you want to email us, you can get us at comicsinmotionpodcast at gmail.com. And if you just want to drop us an email and let us know what you think. Exactly, yeah. And also, please get involved on the Facebook page. The Twitter page, as always, is at ComicsYoursUP. But please get involved on the Comics in Motion podcast Twitter page because we're having quite some good interactions on there, Dave, and we got some surprising votes off people, didn't we? So... Yeah. Um, that's going really well. So, yeah, Don't please. Conan. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, brilliant. Great episode again, Dave, and uh, really interesting. We've got a few guests lined up in a few episodes, so we'll keep that under our belt until then. But we'll see. And some bonus episodes, aren't we, Dave, coming in the next week? That's right. So, we're going to be recording those uh, over the next week. So, we've got uh, some interviews coming up. And so those those will be quite interesting. So those will be a little bit different from our regular review shows, but expand out our content a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Good stuff. Now, Dave, would you like to lead us out? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> so there's only one thing that you could say, and I can't believe I've gone the whole episode without saying it. I am the law. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I was hoping you weren't going to say, so I could lead out with it. But yeah. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Central broadcaster Janus plan after Griffin's death. They all know the truth. Judge Dredd, we have to reconstitute the council. We'd like you to consider the first position of Chief Justice. I'm a street judge, and I'm very late for work. Thank you, Omar. I'm dying. I'm too young. Excuse me. Oh, that's great. He gets all the credit. Dredd? Taught him everything he knows. Dread? That's it? No goodbye? Goodbye, Ocean. 
to tell you the truth, I'm probably a much better kisser. Ah, okay, come on, let's go, will you? Uh, can we swing by a cash machine? This is Acast Recommends. Every week we pick one of our favorite shows, and this is one we think you're going to love. Why did Sasha Baron Cohen get chased by the Secret Service? What made Sarah Silverman stand by her friend Louis C.K.? How did Mindy Kaling miss out on SNL? I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast, and on The Last Laugh, comedians reveal how they're staying funny in a world that's falling apart. As long as I'm laughing, yeah. I laugh at the things I say or anyone else. <laughs> I just like laughing. Next up, how everything changed for Nick Offerman when he became Ron Swanson on Parks and Rec. Life was like, oh, by the way, things are going to get <laughs> way more super crazy. Acast is home to the biggest podcast from the U.S. and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.